The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material on a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. It is episode number 280, because Joe looked it up for me. Always do. You ask before every recording. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what we're talking about yet, so um, we'll pretend I inserted a title right there. Boom. You guys Just got it. Post. You know, that's too much work. <laughs> I promise nothing, sir. I no, I figured the nothing. name of the episode will be episode 280, Fix It in Post. Fix It in Post. <laughs> I don't know if I want to waste that on this. That's, ah. that, that's a really good title if you think about it. There's a lot, yeah. to, there's a lot of subtext. <laughs> Maybe more like reskin, reskin it and send it back out. <laughs> Filing off the serial numbers. Which oh, actually there has go. That's a, a good one. That's actually a great gaming phrase right there. Anyway, I've used that all the time. Uh, with with uh, D and D particularly with 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 uh, RPGs. I know what I want to talk you know, about. I don't know what anybody else wants to talk about. Yeah, Richard's got a topic for us. We're going to get to that. Let's uh, topic let, top top ick. You will make it a topic. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, Tsunami Con, Tsunami Con coming up October twenty first, twenty second, twenty third of uh, two thousand and twenty two, and we're planning on uh, getting together for three solid days of almost nonstop gaming. We make everybody stop yeah. during the night and go to sleep. Excited. But so excited. because that's because we want them to function for 12 hours the next day without a whole lot of breaks. So, you know, I have Monday off. <laughs> I, 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 I am like watching the stats and hoping that it's not going to be a mask on event. It might be, though. Yeah. It, it might be. I, I know. I keep watching those. I'm hoping maybe if we just get through the high phase now, by the time we get to Tsunami Con, we'll yeah. be back down to medium where they don't. They don't. Yeah, we're, we'll definitely pay attention to CDC regs on that. Uh, kind of pay attention to the threat level, the risk level um, that they're measuring in Sedgwick yeah, County. Yeah, yeah. It's not a huge deal. No, um, I've had but, somebody ask if we were planning to police the uh, vaccinations. I although I reserve the right in your terms of service when you buy a ticket. I, I definitely don't necessarily intend to, unless it feels like really. I mean, things would have to drastically change. Because Basically, we're just not a huge event. We're, we're not we'll that big. You know? We'll stick at what the community requires. Yeah. It, but any, any event where you have three or 400 people in the same room, we, we do have to be a little cautious yeah. if necessary. And I don't uh, want to get anybody else sick. Masks sort of thing. Right before you got on mic, Eric, I was finishing up a test because I was exposed a couple days ago. Oh, but yeah. It's it's somebody you know. Yep. Oh, good, 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 good. Excellent. I've been getting over getting sick, and then I just found out that someone I was nearby a couple days ago just tested positive, so I wanted to make sure. I just have those, like, lame normal sickness, none of that fun COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's all we've done, too. So we did we did some brain pokage, you know, just to make sure. Right. <laughs> you got a lot of good submissions coming in, though, right, for GMs? We have a really good start on it. Uh, I want to see more. I want to see more. I mean, and I know we always do. It's always kind of a little bit of a slog during the summer as I'm trying to kind of encourage people to get. But really, come on, guys. If you're going to yeah. run games at TsunamiCon, I, I would like to see everything posted as much as possible posted by the 2nd of September at the latest. That's enough weeks out. I'm going to go ahead and the following week, I'll open early registration for VIG ticket holders so they can get in and start uh, picking their you know favorite gaming events for the the weekend. And then, like, um, you know, 10 days after or so, we'll go ahead and open up regular registration, give people a chance to sign up for games. If you are a game master, particularly if you're planning to use that discount for your badge or have already done so, because, you know, these things are independent in the system. You can go ahead and schedule games now, even if you don't have a badge. Obviously, we hope you'll show up and run them, so you're going to need one at some point. Uh, or vice versa. If you know you want to run some games but haven't decided what they are yet, you can go ahead and buy the badge. You know, that's fine. And if you uh, are running 12 or more hours of games and you just want a weekend pass, hey, it's free. You just covered it right there. And that's with, with role-playing games, that's usually like three game slots. So, you know, and, and then there's a few people to do that. We're seeing some great stuff on the schedule. We got about somewhere between 25 and 30 games at the time of the recording on the schedule, or events rather, on the schedule, because I got some stuff on there. Obviously, that's not just games. But I, we want to see more, and uh, the more we have on there, the more excited people are going to get. You know, I want to be able to kind of start telling people, "Hey, be ready, keep a lookout. We got a bunch of Savage Worlds on the schedule. We got some D and D on the schedule. The things that people are into, and then we got a bunch of stuff. We always have a bunch of stuff that isn't the typical fair. 
which is one of the things I love about our convention. Yeah, I was just community. looking. It looks like since the last time I looked at the website, you got another vendor. There's only a couple booths left. Yeah, Ooh. we're uh, we're just about sold out on booth space. Yeah. So if you were thinking about getting a booth at Sonomicon, uh, get a hold of me. And I've got one or two people that have contacted me that I don't even have room for that I'm looking to see if I can find a way to shoehorn them in somewhere because uh, the, the, the value on having them there would be so great. I was contacted by a group that does, um, I don't know, I've decided whether I want to talk about this, but if I decide not to talk about it, I'll just cut the shit out. Uh, does, uh, they did World of Darkness. Uh, the, 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 the companies, the three companies now that are doing World of Darkness licensed stuff, you know, for like the new World of Darkness things. Uh, and the, the Chronicles, the old, um, old the, the kind of the inheritors of the old. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I could look at the email and, and tell you what companies. But there's a group that represents them and uh, at conventions and does events and stuff for them. And they, they I mean, they're big conventions, they they all out. I mean, they do, they'll run a LARP if we want them to. They, uh, they'll, they'll bring a booth, a World of Darkness booth, if we want them to. Um, and I'd, I'd love that. I think that would be great. People would enjoy that. Uh, they, they will run games. They uh, have uh, filk people. They have cosplayers. They, they do panels. The works. I would, you know, I would and, definitely give the system another shot. And I don't even know where they're see. from. They're because uh, because the, the guy that emailed me didn't specify. I just emailed him right back and said, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yes, <laughs> would love to yeah. make some kind of deal here. And 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 I wanted him to, I wanted to manage expectations to say, by the way, expect maybe about four hundred people. It's not a huge event, <laughs> so you know, keep that in mind when you're paying for traveling. And it's like he said, oh, yeah, we do big events, we do small events. You know, no worries, appreciate you looking out because that's a big thing. There's so many gaming events. I mean, obviously now that you know COVID's kind of letting us all get back together and do shit. Uh, there's so many events all over the country. You know, yeah, just yeah. in the U.S. alone, there's so many events that people have their pick, their, their choice. In fact, it's become impossible not to double, not to book over other events. Yeah, we are the same weekend as Game Hole, which is a bigger con now. It's one of the more got a more of the, lot more of the retro people in it, and it's in the Midwest. I can't compete with that. I'm going to lose some of our regular people to that. But there was nothing I could do. That was the weekend that we had. That was the weekend we needed. Sorry. It was consistent with our regular schedule. Then it fit our scheduling needs coming in. Yeah, Rich, it's all your fucking fault. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm doing what I can, man. This tax season's been rough. That's all I got to uh, say. And, and that's, that is a real thing, you know, and I, I appreciate um, I appreciate your support. You know, you and Vanessa both had to deal with that schedule restriction. Uh, I appreciate your support over the years with the con. I will, uh, you know, as, as not just a, you know, a valued member of our community, but a, a co-host here of the podcast and somebody who comes and brings a lot of energy to the games that you're involved in. I don't necessarily want to take the chance of making it so that you can't be there because of the blackout at work. I totally get it. You know, I happen to have that power. Right. <laughs> now, mind you, it, it may not always work. It may not always work out, but I will do everything I can every year to make sure it does. You you say brings a lot of energy to the games, and all I can think of is well, yeah, darkness and chaos. Those are energies. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, every time you every time you drag your tired self through the door and slide, maybe ooze over to a table and work your way up into a chair because you've been fucking busy for the last ten weeks solid without a break, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, you, it's, it's the right kind of energy, man. No, it's good. That's when you get the really fun, Rich, <laughs> without oh, even having man. any booze involved. You're really gonna do that? All right, roll for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <it's good. laughs> we met. We met in game, not in life. Right. <laughs> Will my character die if I do this? Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's fuck it. It's a one shot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Boys you know, of glory. We're we're uh, we're gonna have Mikey back this year, uh, so he'll be doing some stuff. Gonna have him run a game as well. Um, if you're a VIG ticket holder, you'll have access to that ticket if you want to buy one. Uh, I, I'm looking to do another cast game if I can get the people together for it. Uh, you guys are definitely cast nowadays, so that's something right. to consider. You're, you're now on the draft list. Uh, <laughs> what sort of cast game? And, and I don't know yet. I don't know. Yet. I mean, when I run it, I usually do like Savage Worlds or something. But I've also oh, run no, like Savage Worlds. Yeah, oh, no. I, How, I know. Yeah. I know. It's it's y'all hate it. I've also used it as a play test field for stuff that I've uh, been working on, uh, things like that. But 
Uh, we're also looking at maybe doing another epic this year where we, uh, I know that we've, we talked about a little bit about Ken and uh, Sean and Eli and I have, have discussed the uh, possibility of doing another epic where we get four tables going that are involved in the same story. In different, oh, that different was angles. super fun the last time you guys did that. Yeah, I, we loved it. We learned a lot from doing it, but now it's been a few years, so we don't know if we remember what we supposedly learned. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you can learn it, it all worth over the again. Effort. But we haven't decided what it's going to be yet. This time we're talking about doing something D and D, which I think is pretty accessible. So you know it's fine and easy to run. But uh, we're still in the talking stage on that one yet. I was hoping to have Sean on the show. Uh, he's looking maybe at next week. I'm going to get him on and talk about some of the stuff he's been working on. So I'm not going to get into that. But it's another great feature uh, that he's been working on that looks really cool. I'm just super stoked to be getting together in person. Yeah. And I want everybody to fucking be there. So Here. that's coming up. Something everybody needs to be ready for. That one was it sealed at the bottom. So. My wife just brought me a honey stick. We mm. are... Um, She's trying to kill you? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have diabetic, right? Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> uh, this has got a choke cherry honey, I think. Like, I guess that means your insurance is paid up then. We... Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't started the job yet. So. I meant the life insurance. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> So we uh, we're look we we debate a deal with a local apiary because we do the tea business. We do pop up oh, yeah. events at like local vendor events and stuff. And uh, we uh, you know, found some people. She works with a lady who has bees, and uh, they make honey. And we picked up some honey from them. We're going to sell it individually, and we've decided to make some honey sticks while we're at it. Nice. Oh, which was kind of a fun nice. process of learning how to do that. That's but, cool. I have questions that we don't need to hash out. <laughs> yeah. Assamtees.shop. There you go. Get that out of the way. Uh, so, yeah. As if um, it's only going to happen once. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a lot goes on this time of year with with uh, gaming stuff, with new releases. The summer's always, always big, of course. Gen Con is about as around the corner as you can possibly get. Uh, I, I think next week. I don't remember exactly the dates. But uh, I talk to Peter every once in a, every, every couple of weeks or so, and uh, uh, one of our GMs from the community, and he's he's a Gen Con junkie. He does it every year. He's a he's a high roller. He does the VIG stuff. He's super into it. And so this last, the, like the three or four weeks before the con, he is super nervous and on edge the whole time, and just you know all this kind of like energy, you know. And, and the guy's like. He's not young, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of it's kind of cool to see him get all energized and excited about it and stuff. Makes Peter's me feel awesome. like I got something to look forward to in life, you know. And I'm pretty sure Peter already has some games up at Tsunami Con. So anyone out there, I've played in a lot of them. He is an amazing GM. Even if you he does Savage Worlds, if you've never had a chance to try it, it's a great table for your first try. Yeah, he's really good at teaching it, and uh, often has people at the table that know the game as well. So you know, yeah, uh, really good experience. I I was I'm super excited that he's become a regular part of our convention and yeah you know, he comes down for game days and stuff and runs games just he's just really into it and uh, you know become a pretty cool person to be able to lean on for for stuff like that or sure the GM uh, so uh, I've been uh, backing the occasional Kickstarter spending a little money here and there where I maybe shouldn't but you know right. I usually try to do it at the just send me a digital copy level. Kickstarter yeah. tells me when you back things. It doesn't tell me how much. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, and that's a, a really cool way to support. You know, even if I don't have the money to put into it, because I know there's a number of people that follow me on Kickstarter, just like I do. You know, a number of people. If if I back something for a buck, it tells everybody that follows me that about this Kickstarter. So it's it's a really cool tool, and uh, you know, I feel pretty good about myself that way. I've had to stop going to Kickstarter. I was spending way more money than my bank account likes. Mm. <laughs> my, yeah. my bank account gave up on me a long time ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> it haunts me. <laughs> it's, it's got a knife. It's waiting outside in the dark. It was when I backed the Kickstarter for a D20 bath bomb. I don't take baths. Oh. It was just oh. a D20 bath bomb. <laughs> but you do <sighs> like D20s. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting you mentioned that, because this is your intervention. Um, right. <laughs> I have a poem here. <laughs> bath bomb, oh bath bomb, do you really need a bath bomb? How many months did you wait for the bath bomb? I don't, I don't have a problem. I could stop any time. <laughs> right? 
Dude, uh, it, does it have numbers on it? Can you roll it? I mean, fuck it. it the problem <laughs> is, like, it's a compressed powder, so it's really it's crumbly. It's apart. Yeah. I also backed the gelatinous soap, where it's just soap that has dice in it. I almost got looked, that one. Yeah, I did that one, too. <laughs> wow, guys. I don't work with gels. I'm pretty sure the soap is still just in a box somewhere. So, yeah, I, I had to stop. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about the number of things that I'm waiting on from Kickstarter. We're just going to leave it at that. I like Kickstarter. <laughs> I have improved the number of things I'm waiting on to a lower number, and I'm all right with that. I do love the whole experience, though, of getting something a year later that you forgot you ever bought. Yeah. I saw something I ordered three years ago that I'm waiting on. <laughs> there, There is some of that out there, obviously. There yeah. was a follow-up to Solar Storm, and I ordered that. Um, I will say, though, on the other side of things, so today I game, pulled the trigger and I uh, pre-ordered uh, Spelljammer on mm. D&D Beyond. Oh, God. Storm, I vaguely recall that name. Have we played that one? Yeah, it's the one with yeah, the yeah, nine yeah. cards that you have to run around the rooms, uh, <laughs> fixing them up and getting power going so you can all escape. Game. Yeah, the one great. that we've won like twice and then lost really close a bunch it's of times. It's fun. That's what <laughs> right. makes a good. That's what makes a good cooperative game, though. I mean, it has there to has be one you don't. Yeah. You only win. It's like pandemic. You typically your typical pandemic game is you'll win a third of the time. I mean, that's yeah. that's actually that makes it feel good to me. Unless you figure out the magic combination. I was that about Joe to say. Me. Yeah, me and Alicia <laughs> have played so much pandemic that even playing it on the hardest setting. Or we've bought an expansions and put in extra epidemic cards, and we can still win almost every time when it's the two of us. They, they figured out if you have two people and you are these two specific roles. Scientist and researcher. I knew when, you were going to give or, it away. Yeah. Or you replace either one of those with a medic. When uh, we played Elder Sign it. and Vanessa and I were figuring it. out Elder Sign, uh, I, I'm like, okay, I want to do Amanda and Drake. Because I find they're the most interesting and the easiest ones to help when I play solo. And so we ended up playing that and we won. The games have not been near as easy when we played after that with random characters. Right. <laughs> the random characters with a random Elder God last time and we managed to summon the Elder God and like miracle our way into a victory. I have no idea yeah. how we did it, but it worked. I, if I had my way, we'd, we'd play Haster every time because I love saying Haster in large groups of people because a certain percentage are going to cringe every time I say the word Haster. Stop! It's so funny! <laughs> uh, but I, I was going to mention Kickstarter, so I'm going to have an interview up this week with... Um, his name was... Uh, their names are Zach Goins and... Uh, I got to hear Andrew um, Bishkinski. I They were really fun to talk to. I, I actually I, I had the interview just the other day and I haven't had time to go through the editing yet, um, and it, it'll probably be up before this is up. Actually, I was going to say we'll by see. the time this comes out, somewhere in the same, somewhere in the we'll same. Have enjoyed realm. it. It sounds good. Yeah, and it was fun. We we had a good time talking about just gaming, you know, the, the gaming industry and kind of what they do. Um, Zach is very involved in the, uh, the Kickstarter element of the of the industry. And is a big. It becomes somebody who really helps other people that uh, have a product to to move or brand to move, get it out there. He's done a ton of Kickstarters at this point, so it was kind of cool just to kind of get some insight there. And Andrew's a, a game designer writer uh, who has had a rather grand amount of success on DMs Guild, and uh, has now parlayed that into working with Zach, getting his stuff out there on Kickstarter, and uh, so and and they've got one going right now, which. Uh, it's for a product called uh, Deep and Dangerous for 5e, and I'll, I'll go ahead and share the link, but Ooh. we'll talk about it more yeah. on the interview. So if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, go ahead and look it up. Uh, so th this, that was fun. This is also your fault. Just talking about it, I've already found a Kickstarter that my wallet's upstairs, so I just have it saved to back right after the recording. It's okay. That I looked at how many I'm waiting chance. on. I have seven pending right now. But and now I'm sad because I want that to be down to like one hand, so I feel better about backing more things. These are glass <laughs> dice. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. That depends they, entirely on who you are. I think they actually. look so looks, cool, though. They do look oh, cool. They do look but pretty. How easy would they be to break? I Joe, stop sharing your goddamn screen. I don't <laughs> want to see this right now. It, it's the green. Hold on, these ones. Oh, oh those, those would be too pretty. bad. But I would use a leather rolling mat or a. Nice yeah, cage that's uh, got a padding. I might the felt also ones like, would work. Yeah, put some sort of coating on them it, so it that they're protected. <laughs> so they they right. roll down to a number easier. 
So I will be backing the here. I'll give the name because why not? Handcrafted butterfly and bee flower glass dice. Send me the link. Put it in the chat. Yeah, I'll put it up. Uh, uh, one of the new products that uh, just uh, came out or is coming out that I was I've been kind of waiting to see what it was going to look like is called Swords of the Serpentine. I had a chance to read a review about it, which is a, a fantasy game uh, using the gumshoe system, which is kind of a new try thing. That. Uh, I, that combination, I mean, is kind of a new thing. It, it the feel of it reminds me a little bit of like a Blades in the Dark, uh, because it all is like in one city, and there's a lot of like corruption and stuff. But there's a lot uh, you can do with Gumshoe that it would be very different than any other fantasy type of game uh, I think I've ever had. I don't know if you guys are really familiar with it, but I've heard of Gumshoe. I've never got a chance to play it. Yeah, I've it's I've uh, I've run some Gumshoe stuff, but it was very much in the horror right. genre, you know, which it. We, it does well with because <laughs> it's a mystery. It's uh, by the, the name tells you. I mean, it's, the system is is oriented around solving mysteries. You know, it's an investigative system, so it's it's very skill based, and it has uh, it's all of its rules kind of focus around that process rather than the typical traditional role playing game stuff. And in and very well, uh, Robin Laws I think invented the system and has had a few books out, and so has Kenneth Height. You know, they've 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 done a lot with it. Uh, Kevin Colt put out the Time Watch system, which uh, John has run at uh, Vince before, but it's been a while. And he's talked about doing it again, but always some other new shiny comes up. And uh, Kevin was uh, one of the writers on this one as well. So I'm, I'm super excited to check that out. And I'll, I'll share a link to, to that information, too. Just trying to make sure I keep an eye on stuff that's happening. There's uh, another uh, Kickstarter going to come up at the end of the month from uh, Ian Publishing on the the advanced 5e stuff too level up has another book coming out like a the dungeon delvers guide which has a bunch of like gear that is available specifically to certain cultures because oh, uh, cool. in in the level up it's because it's it's a version of D that's just a lot more broken down into a lot of different more pieces and uh, the uh they, they took instead of race from the the standard books they have culture and heritage right and uh, so it's kind of a way of combining like your your heritage is kind of like what you were born as, you know, where you, you know, uh, what species you come from. But your culture is kind of like what you were raised or what you lived amongst. That influences a lot as well. And these are like cultural equipment items. So like if you had one of the uh, one of the examples I saw in a preview on it was if you had, uh, you know, they, they call them shadow elves, but they're basically drow. If you if you're from a drow civilization from culture and you had access to like their their dark weave kind of armor, whatever they call it, that is, um, you know, got special properties, but is allergic to sunlight, starts to deteriorate if you expose it to the sun. That would be considered a cultural item. You would only be able to have that as a starting character because you're from that culture. And you would have to maintain some kind of link with that culture in order to be able to get those kinds of items again. It's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. But And that's just one example. Of course, like the preview, because, you know, everybody in the industry has a little fucking weird in them. The preview was all about if you are from the Aboleth-inspired culture, culture, which are like people who were slaves or are descended from slaves of the Aboleths. So like, I can't remember they call it. Tentacle tainted people. I don't remember. But it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was all weird gear. Very cool. So, yeah, just a few things I wanted to share. Uh, there's so much happening right now. There's so much coming out. Spelljammer looks awesome. I'm oh, super excited well, to check that to out. Go back into the verse again. I was. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was gonna because I've been buying. I've made a habit of buying uh, fifth edition books, all the hardcovers and stuff since they started. You know, right? I've got a complete collection to date. Technically, I was behind on getting the Radiant Citadel one, and it shows up in the mail tomorrow because I live in the middle of nowhere now, right. so I have to mail order everything. But the uh, the the funny thing is the Spelljammer one is a little pricey, you know, because like a th- the the actual like har- the physical product is like three books in a three books case in or a, something in a box and a DM screen and a, yeah, and a screen. And so you know, I just like I don't know if I but I, I I'm celebrating because my birthday is is coming up and uh, this and and I, I got a new job. Uh, coming up and so i'm going to be actually making money that i can spend on a few things like <clears throat> dd books and uh so I, w- I went ahead and made the purchase and will plan to get it as soon as it's available 
but we will uh, we'll, we'll reserve judgment on some of it. But there are some preview materials on DM D and D Beyond. Uh, they call Spelljammer Academy. They got like a few a few chapters oh, wow. or pieces out. And it's got some cool stuff. And so yeah. definitely t- take a look at that if you're interested. But uh, super excited to see what it looks like. I too. Well, I, it was like I was like, do I need the whole book or should I just buy the player parts? Because that's why I sometimes do with books. But then I like saw the thing blueprints, and I'm like, I remember getting lost in the blueprints, and I am a floor plan junkie. So yeah, here, take my money. The ships were so cool. Remember the second edition um, Spelljammer box? They had all the cards. They had the ships on them. Yeah, like the full size cardboard cards. Uh, I had that stuff somewhere. I mean, I got I got a ward half a wardrobe full of old junk, and some of that might still be in there. But I uh, tell you, I am super stoked to see what they do with it. It's looking a little different than the traditional, which I like because I like to see things shaken up and, and handled differently. Uh, but you know, again, we'll see what happens. You know, and, and ironically, excited about it, but don't know that I'm going to be running it anytime soon. It's just right. not. I got a lot on the schedule right, right now. I just saw a picture of the alt cover that of those books, and now I really want it. Right. Speaking of covers, okay, so I, I saw some comments about this uh, a couple days ago on uh, Facebook, I think it was, from just people I knew. And they were talking about a starter set, a Dungeons & Dragons starter set coming out called uh, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. Have you heard of this? No, but now I want to know more. You know, it's just it's just a starter set, so it comes literally with just like the original starter set. It basically comes with an adventure and uh, tips and information on. Oh, those are Joe. Stop sharing your damn screen. I know. <laughs> That's so gorgeous. That's the Spelljammer well stuff. Over huh? the, uh, That's the podcast. the special edition Spelljammer books. If go online, look them up. They are gorgeous covers. It's very pretty. Very pretty. Uh, so the Stormwreck Isle uh, starter set is, is going to have it's going to adventure. It's going to have some dice in it. Has some uh, pre-gen characters. So it's got character sheets in it and advice in the in the adventure for first-time game masters. It's 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 a way to kind of introduce you know get get people into the game just like the other starter sets. I mean, there's been like the the original one, and then I think the Stranger Things starter set was like that too. And they, yeah, they've had yeah. two non like there was the explorers and the starters i think it was so there's been two of those boxes and then the uh, rick and morty rick and morty or, one too yeah i enjoyed yeah. the rick and morty one yeah all that flavor you know it's, it was like, a it's fun one of the, take i wanted to get the stranger things one because it had all that you know yeah. flavor from that and I, I never got a good run to it but but i was trying to figure out why people are so excited about this one right and this really is one where if you could take a moment to look at the cover art and i, I got to tell anybody if you if you have the chance look it up it's called dragons of stormwreck isle I had a hard time finding it because it turns out that it's not coming out till like October or something, unless you buy it at Target, who had it released this week. Okay. <laughs> I so don't know. What I'm hearing is I need to go to Target. Yeah. <laughs> you might look. Oh, well, I, if you're interested. But the cover has some. F- are you looking for it, Joe? I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you can see the characters on the cover very well. If well, you could zoom well in enough. on that. No, oh, see, see, see who those are. I'm not sure who they are off top. Okay, of, my head. of course, you know, Rich, you should know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if you're looking at. A I screen can't note. focus that well. Uh, that's that. Those look like versions of Hank and Sheila from the cartoon. Oh, you're right. I see. The, it now. See the glowing, glowing energy bow and Sheila jumping through the air. The acrobat with, with the, the staff. Acrobatic stuff. And you showed that other picture there for a second. They had the guy with the shield. That's Eric the Cavalier. It is. It is a, the mage. They well, that doesn't look like Presto. But no. the, uh, the 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 whole excitement about this, I think, for, on the internet, all the buzz was because of that art. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> all it was. <laughs> I mean, it was like 20, 20 bucks at Target. I, I actually contacted the Target in, in Pueblo through the website and got them to ship me one. So oh. it should be here in the mail this next week. But I just want I just want to check it out. Besides which, my son is never run a game, and he's going to get to that point soon because he loves D&D, and he's always talking about DM stuff. So it doesn't hurt for me to have starter stuff around. I Under why? <laughs> my, my problem is that he is so – well, problem is a relative term – he is so digitally oriented. You know, he lives on his computer screen, right? He's 13 years old. And so everything he's ever learned about D&D comes from that. He has never sat down with pencil and paper and dice and played a D&D game. You know, never. I mean, he's we've even done it to where there were other people sitting at the table with him who did, and he still brought his computer or at least his phone in with the app. To, to do be anything. fair, 
once I started getting online resources for it, I did that a lot too. Yeah. And <laughs> I still do. And I do, I do it not because I love it, but because the convenience of it is so yeah. extraordinary. When I'm running a game, especially, there's so much to keep track of. In addition to being able to access all those you know rules and everything instantly. But the fact that, I mean, Joe knows because we actually were playing at the table for yeah. the better part of the last year uh, at, at his place. I will sit there with the computer and everything in front of me, and I will still try to make an effort to pick up my dice. Oh, yeah. And I use was, my dice. I use the uh, spell, like, my character sheets on my tablet. Mm-hmm. But, no, I still have to have my dice. I mean, what what's the point? Of, I just counted. I have 1,856 dice. How'd you find time I would have in lost your day? Track like after a hundred or so. I was I was having to reorganize them anyway because I had ran out of room in the boxes. So while they were, I counted them all because that's just me. This is where I'd get the hollow glass I... tiles and build a wall just full of dice. But then you can't <laughs> use them. Have Have you, uh, by chance, counted how many you guys have actually made? I no, I haven't, and. There's no way because we've sold so many already, and right. I mean, I would never record of all that necessarily. No. Yeah, Joe and Alicia a- are going to be at uh, Tsunami Con in a booth selling dice. Yep, this year. Also, and, they are uh, available super- online. Shameless plug: LunarStudiosICT.com. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> you know, I I'm I'm really glad you guys are going to be doing this. I'm so happy you're going to be there. I'm hoping it it goes gangbusters for you. I'm I know hoping. you guys had a really good. A uh, really good sales record at the Ren Fair you did in yep. the spring, and this really should be your community. Yeah. Obviously, you know, like, I would say the you know a lot of Ren Fair people are gamers, but should be all of Tsunami Con people are gamers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that Venn diagram should be a circle. Pretty much. I don't gatekeep. You can come to Tsunami Con if you're yeah. not a gamer. Yeah. Oh, we'll That's always legit. we'll always show you the games. We'll try to make you one of us. <laughs> one of us. Uh, Rich had a topic for us. What were we going to well, talk I about? I had here? a question. I had a discussion, and I'm like, there's no way I should be having this discussion because I know it's not just me, and I know we've kind of hit on the side of it, but the the lead in here is that we're we're kind of like if we're going to be we're going to be playing into a War of the Burning Sky with a group of people that haven't played into it before. Oh man, I'm looking forward to this, right? <laughs> So here we are, we're, we're coming together and putting our characters together, and I've already done this thing where I'm like, I need, I need to pick another language I can do, and I've got this monk, and I've already read the player materials over and over again, and I, I as this monk, I've spent time in this, you know, thing of the two winds, and when I looked up thing, languages... Thing of the two winds. <laughs> right, right. Monastery, Monastery of the two winds. Monastery of the two winds. Uh, as I... Um, Search through the thing looking for any language ideas because I was trying to figure out what my other language might be uh, organically to fit in with my character. Um, both of the ways that come from this set, come from the player's guide uh, that Ian World put out for the for the adventure, um, both of them get Aran, the, the elemental plane of air language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I went ahead and rocked with that and... Uh, now I'm trying to talk Vanessa into running a. Uh, uh, I can never say the word right. The Birdman. I am. I'm not Eric sure. Coker? I have mixed feelings about this. Eric he he brings this up this morning. She because she's like she was the last one to decide she's going to play. Everybody she else play is kind of put together their their concepts, and she finally says, "I think I'm going to go with the Ranger." And uh, but uh, somebody makes a crack. She says, "I don't even know what race I'm going to be yet." And Richard's like, "How about an Aracocra?" <laughs> um, I think it's a good. Thick. I secretly hate you, but I think it's a great idea. <laughs> no, I think in battle, you aren't going to fly much. You may fly to get away, in which case you're just dealing with the normal um, attacks of opportunity. The moment you're flying, you are a bigger target for range fight for range people anyway. So you don't want to spend a lot of time flying in combat to begin with. I think it's going to be less of an issue than you think. Oh, isn't it isn't an issue per se? It's um, it's keeping track, finding a way to keep track of that additional dimension yeah. on a two dimensional digital but combat grid on a virtual tabletop. Like I said, I don't think it's going to come into play too much. I don't think she's going to spend time in the air because you're just going to be a target at that point. It's be like, well, I don't have a healer to target. Oh, look at that one flying in the air. That's a danger. Let's kill that one. There is that, but I want you to remember that we're talking about Vanessa. And um, 
I was concerned when I immediately thought about this. I was concerned with the fact that she would find a way, because she's talking about a ranger, so maybe she's going to focus on artillery. Maybe. She will find a way to be somebody who attacks from a distance. And then if things go badly in her perspective, from her perspective, she'll just bug out through the air. Which works in her outside. Yeah, 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 that yeah. does. And a lot of this campaign takes place inside and outside. But uh, there's uh, <laughs> there's something to be said for the... Uh, you're not going to be flying and shooting a bow. Why not? <laughs> Have oh, you yeah. tried to pull a bow while you're flying? Dude, I don't Answer know. Answer honestly, Joe. Not recently. <laughs> to be fair, that type of character would have more experience with it than Joe would. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't think we can logistically tell a player about to play a bird person that they can't fire, a, they can't use their I weapon in the air. That That's like telling a, a centaur they can't fire a bow because they're, like, on a horse, even though they are a horse. You can fire a bow horse. on a horse. <laughs> they are a horse. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know about that one. It's, That's a question it's that to I mean, think about, but it's interesting. Anyway, question that comes in a leverage stuff, but I think that the uh, the image seems solid. So but I don't are. know what she plans to do. But for example, I think an Aracocra would more often than not utilize their wings as part of their combat technique because their talons are a primary weapon for them, and their talons would are be. on their feet. Yeah. But also, <laughs> losing getting their wings damaged would be one of the worst things ever for them. But it does make you a target, just like Rich said, it, and, which I think um, is an interesting point. Looking at the uh, stats, and it would it looks probably like allow for dive attacks, which would be interesting. There is a limit that when you're flying, you can't drop. have medium or heavy armor. Yeah, well, rangers yeah. often but will stick rangers to light armor don't. anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's why uh, I thought I it was notice, a good pairing. I did notice the fly speed. I think is just the same as your walk speed, right? So it's no, like a walk speed is twenty five. No, no, they change fifty. No, no. Flies this 50, is okay. the new one under Mordekainen's. Oh, they're I'm, the same now. They okay. upped the, they upped the speed to thirty, but it's the same for flight and regular. I'm looking at elemental evil. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's we're looking at the one in Mordekainen's, the new one. I didn't know they. It's more balanced. It. I think that's, that book's upstairs. <laughs> The, yeah, the Monsters of the Multiverse book has uh, done a lot of updating, and and I I got mixed feelings about some of the updates. I think the faster fly speed would make more sense, but I mean it's up to you. I I have no. I, I think the balance is good though, and would keep the person invested in the combat if they couldn't fly a hundred feet regular with a dash speed. action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Bye. Now. <laughs> and and that was you know a side thing, but definitely it's one of the things I was like, well, if you do that, you can go ahead and take her. That's the other thing is that the Morden Canaan's only gives you one bonus language on top of common, as opposed to the legacy one that has um, you get their that their Arin. own racial language plus Rn because their yeah. race is considered historically to be from the uh, elemental, elemental plane, plane of errors. exactly. So we'll still see yeah, what happens. With here's that. something to consider too, and you're not the only one talking about playing a really unusual race in this game. Uh, because because uh, John's planning to elf. play, John's planning to play a heron gun, and I was like, okay, I got rabbit people and bird people. This is you great. You saw the rogues a changeling, right? Yeah, but that's I mean they can blend in, <laughs> and, and and the the questions that Sean asked going into it were very much oriented on already being very much an outsider, like from another world or something. So I don't outsiders. think there's any expectations. I was gonna say though with like the heron gun and the arakokra, for example. I mean. You're not going to find a lot that talks in like the book about on Gate Pass about these races. Obviously. I just want to watch Vanessa have to fight the urge to snatch up the Haragon when <laughs> she's hungry because isn't that what birds do? Is grab rabbits? Maybe. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so one of the things I'm looking at this party dynamic. Right, we're looking at right now. We're kind of looking at a rogue, a ranger, a wizard, and a monk. Which, you know, this is like your standard D&D group. Yeah. Rogue, a ranger, wizard, a monk. And then um, Brian's looking at either a cleric or paladin. See, cleric would help. Paladin yeah, would half help. Cleric would help a lot. But I'm like, what am I going to do if we actually need some heals? And so that got me thinking about something. Uh, and uh, and Elias, both of her concepts are bards. Oh, so there we go. So bards can half heal. heal. If, they, yeah. if they spell into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they don't spell into it, they don't, they don't heal. Right. Right. Either way, that sounds like a pretty good balance if you can get the cleric in there. If we get the cleric in there, it'd be a great balance. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, the paladin be. might be a better choice for him just because the more combat power. That's true. And paladin <laughs> bard, if they both side spec. But I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, 
well, I got to think about if I want anything. I was like, well, maybe I'll ask to get a couple of healing potions. And I'm like, you know, healing potions just don't sound right to me. So I was looking at stuff and I'm like, well, I do like a salve or something. But I was like, you look at anything that says it's like a salve or something in the game. It's a wondrous item and it's like super expensive and way over third level. Because they'll be considered like rare or whatever. So I'm like, but all I want is something that effectively does the same thing as a healing potion. Mm-hmm. Like, same yeah. limitation. And I'm like, yeah. how hard would it be to go ahead and reskin something and say, well, it's not a potion, but it is a healing potion? Because you need to follow in the same rules. If you can pour a healing potion down somebody's throat you can while they're unconscious, salve. you can rub <laughs> a healing salve in them. Yeah. What you can't do is throw the healing salve from across the room and hit him in the face like a monkey throwing unhappiness at you because that's not going to work. Of course, it wouldn't work with a potion either. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you could do that and still have it be the same thing. So I was like, could that be a thing? Could I, could I then have herbs as a thing? I may even go ahead and take one of my feats in the future to go into herbalism skill kit. I would have to work with a priest to be able to make it to get the healing into the herbs, but I could make my own in the future of the same type. But it feels more monk-like if I'm a nature-loving monk, because I've already reskinned. <laughs> I've already reskinned the drunken uh, master because it's. I don't want to have any of that feel of drunkenness but i want to continue to have something that has that uh dodginess of um um like the monk from remo williams like um oh god the twins what did they make they made that not twins um the the uh, sisters um the matrix 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 um <laughs> the kowski sisters they're not twins they're not <laughs> No. No. No, no, not even close. <laughs> Still not. <laughs> but the, the, the yeah, I remember you talking about that though, like that kind of That's unpredictable, a non-traditional kind of fighting. Yeah. You but know. where I I use my I use like you know I walk with a staff, but I don't really need to walk with a staff. But I walk with the staff so people think I'm feeble and can't protect <laughs> myself, and then I start kicking their butt with the. I've staff. I've been watching Airbender lately. That kind of stuff is just great, <laughs> right? Exactly. So it's uh-huh. kind of where I want to roll with that. I so I've that already show. reskinned that whole thing as of the wind, and I'm like, well, how hard would it be? So I could reskin a potion as like a salve or something like that. I absolutely. Did- I did exactly this in a game I was running. I had someone who was, they were a druid, but and they like, but they didn't really focus on the healing part of it, like because you can take some of the healing spells as a druid, right? But they were collecting and always having potions on them, and I talked to them like, hey, since you're already do like they would do other herb lore type yeah. stuff, and Why we just completely reskinned it as a salve, but to make it, it cost the price of a potion right. to buy that kind of specialty herbs that you're not going to just find out in the woods that have been treated and dried so it's not something you, they're going to make did, on the road were you still treating it as a magical effect yes I, basically making yeah. it congruitous exactly well and that's where i was like i was like because i think the reason the other ones are more expensive is they do more like they'll treat poison and right. I was, i'm like this i just want to have straight healing effect yeah and the way we made it work in game because like you said about throwing a salve at someone we said it's you know to drink a potion takes an action you gotta actually drink it so this was it takes an action to rub it in on thinking like or tiger balm or something like that yeah exactly so you can't just thump them with a glass jar of it and they'll get healing but you have to take a couple moments to rub it into their chest or something that's fantastic, actually. That's exactly what I was talking about when I said filing off the serial numbers earlier. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah, about that's taking why I concepts. Like too. <laughs> your, your, sub, your subclass is the same story, by the way, because I know that you made some changes it's the way to of the one wind. of the way the, like the, whether, I don't know if you were doing the east wind or the west wind, but you took one of them and went, okay, I want to make some changes. Well, actually, you know? I went, I took Drunken Master. And I filed oh, right. off its serial changes, right. I made everything about <laughs> it about nature and wind because I didn't want to reek of. I didn't want to connect at all to the drunk story. I've already got a dark enough story. I mean, I have a dark... I have a disclaimer at the beginning of my background that says, this is a dark story. Don't continue if you don't want to deal with it. 
<laughs> it's about Ooh. abuse and stuff in his background. Yeah. Full, full of triggers. Huh? May or may not deal with that in the actual story, but his background definitely got him out of his house. Uh, um, don't give me a backstory if you don't want to see it dealt with. Right. It'll probably be dealt with. <laughs> I, I can see us eventually in Gate Pass taking care of it. Um, but that would be one of my character's life goals anyway. Uh, and I got a lot of turn. But, um, but, but yeah, I skinned it. The only, the only change other than names that I made to the, uh, way of the drunken master when I made it the way of the wind. So I just made it a generic, he's straight combat wind. Unlike the wind of the east or the way of the east and the wind and the way of the west wind. Uh, one of them has some sorcery magic. One of them has some clerical magic. Right. I don't have magic. Okay. And okay. then I replace the uh, brewing kit with just nature. Min Maximi wanted to make it athletics, but I couldn't do that in all good consciousness. So I just went with nature because this is a nature-based focus. I like it. And so that's where I went with the wind, and I went ahead and with nature because that helps me connect with the balance of nature. It, I think this it's an interesting opportunity too to explore a character that didn't quite fit in because the um, the the monastery of two winds has uh, two masters yeah um, who's one of them's name is Longinus I can't remember the other one at the top of my head but one was the 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 founder of the 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 East Wind philosophy one was the founder of the West Wind philosophy and of course that's of course the subclasses that came in the player's guide for. Uh, I was going to call it Zeitgeist. I'm so sorry. War of the Burning Sky. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, the, the other one. Who, uh, yeah, <laughs> obviously, if you didn't fit into either discipline, but you were studying at the monastery and trying to you know better yourself and learn what it was you were looking for, all the more reason that you wouldn't end up taking wouldn't end up taking a path that led to magic, since those paths were specifically laid out in these philosophies, in these paradigms. Mm-hmm. And you took some of the teachings there, but then obviously we're teaching yourself beyond that because there wasn't somebody that was going to teach the way you're right. you're, you're learning. And I still learn. I like I, when I retire, my my goal then is to come back and become a a straight guard for the monastery, mm-hmm. where I spend hours standing around doing nothing until somebody does something probably they're not, not supposed to happen. do, and then I stop them. That's probably <laughs> not going to happen, but. No, like I'll die at I'll die at fifth level. So, uh, oh, oh, we're gonna do a fifth level prediction, huh? <laughs> because starting we're starting at third. <laughs> gotcha. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. say, Vanessa, okay. I think you're being called out here. I I totally always. Was. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's great though, and I I love the idea of taking things. I mean, I do it all the time as a game master when I'm running, uh, as particularly yeah. monsters. I do it a lot. And this, uh, this like the Monday night game I ran, where I wanted a lot of the world to feel unique and different. I wanted to. There's some things that the characters run into that have a very classic or traditional D and D feel, but there's a lot that doesn't. But statistically, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the times it's the same shit. <laughs> you know, I will make one or two small changes to a monster, change the name, and completely alter the way it looks. Yeah, when I describe it in game. And uh, I've not, you know, probably eight times out of ten, nobody is figuring out what that was or what right. I might have gotten that from. Yeah. Or, and sometimes I take relatively obscure creatures, too, and do it with it just to kind of add that level of flavor. But mostly I'm not looking to just kind of fool the players. I'm looking to create a lore for my world that that stands out right. and is different. And that's the easy way for me to do it. I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. I can just find something that I really like that mostly gets me there and file off the serial numbers, like you know, the, make it look different. Yeah. The wheel of time where Jordan liked to rename everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good trick left for it a little writing vague, fantasy. I never figured out if bite me's were just biting flies or actually mosquitoes. Right, <laughs> because they're not going to come out and tell now. you in the book. They're not called that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I, I've, I've probably done things like that with the healing, like tinctures, and but almost always it's like in a situation like yours where it's a player who has a character concept or idea and wants to do something non-traditional in some way. And most of the time, as long as there's nothing game-breaking about it, because like in the situation you're describing, statistically it is identical. I logically, in-game and out-of-game, have found a way to make it completely analogous, where they're yeah. the, the exact same restrictions. Because I don't want, I, I literally want to be able to say when I'm playing in-game, 
same rules as a potion. Yeah, I think that works. works I've well. I've had a handful of times where players have come to me and asked if they could do stuff. I'm I'm always yeah, go for it. If if you're just reskinning but using the exact same stats, what do I care what it looks like? Right. Have exactly. fun with it. Make it your own. So you want to call it something else? Great. You want to put a different look on that? You know, it's a plus one sword that does fire damage. But you want to come up with a great background and description of the sword? Mm-hmm. Go for it. What do I care? That's that's even better. Yeah, there's uh, something to be said for players who are willing to create material and add to the lore of your game, of your world. Um, I know that famously I ran a campaign where a kid wanted to start out first level with a, a, a just a weak magic sword, but it had this great value to him. It was a weapon that he was going to be always attached to. He was never going to replace it. It was a signature weapon for him. It, it, it was a symbol of his devotion. You know, so there was going to be some limitations there long term already inherently. But even then, I told him, I said, I'll do that for you as long as you give me something I can use to make your life more difficult. <laughs> and so we settled on a narrative uh, trick where he had to come up with a deep, dark secret that I could leverage against him at some point later in the campaign. And boy, did I ever. <laughs> and it was amazing. And it was dark. And it was harsh. And it, com- it, it put his, pushed his character into doing things that he would never have wanted to do. And working with the villain when he didn't want to do that, you know, it just just really great stuff. And so, I mean, I'm always willing to work with players on concepts they have that make their characters more unique or add more excitement to them playing them or experiencing them, bring more um, lore or into the game. You know, I, everybody knows I love good backstories. I think uh, there are obviously limits or levels to which those things can be valued just to kind of depending on your game and your game master and your expectations. You know, I mean, the joke obviously is you brought me your 19 page backstory. Do not expect me to read all that. Right. (laughs) I will will. read the bullet points. I will make the other available to you. (laughs) I, I will. But if you write me a 19 page backstory, I get to pick what I use from it. So you will not necessarily know what to expect. And that's on you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because there's a lot there right i want <laughs> yeah and i think it is i think it should be i love the One way you did that, that in my zeitgeist sorry would, would you took my zeitgeist character and i left my patron open and you ended up making yeah. it something from the world that ended up becoming a thing before the game collapsed because which was great yeah <laughs> Vanessa? Uh, one thing that Justin had us do on our Saturday game when we first started years ago at this point is each of our characters had to, on like a, a postcard, write two truths and a lie, and they were used as rumors for what our characters were like when we got <laughs> oh, into town. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. That is an awesome way to use that. Yeah. I started, I did start a game once where I had the players, and this was with my my group that I had um, I don't know, about before you guys joined, you know, when William and Richard and them were still playing. The uh, I, I had them create characters where they wrote, uh, they they built relationships between. I was I was inspired by like fiasco and stuff like that. I was like you know build really take a card or fate fate you know the core you're gonna take a card and write write stuff down. Anyway, they had to build relationships uh, between them and another character. Yeah, one was a relationship that was out in the open is obvious, and then one was a secret that was shared. Um, that maybe was a secret one of them knew or both of them knew. And they they had to kind of write all that down and give it to me, so I had that stuff to work with. It was a great idea, and the execution became... I mean, it unraveled the game fast. (laughs) It was exactly an example of how badly that sort of thing could go because the players weren't ready (laughs) for how much distrust it sowed. Well, when you take a page out of Fiasco, you're kind of asking for a Fiasco. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Love that game, though. Yeah, good stuff. I just realized White Hole's still up on the uh, site. I'll have to go back and listen to that again. Yeah, we were talking about uh, actual play stuff last week, and we got a couple of fiasco, three fiasco games, I think, up there yeah. on, our, on our actual play feed. All of them are fantastic. They're all a lot of fun. I I don't necessarily have anything else right now, if you guys do. I mean, I... I oh, you okay? Jonica's trying to kill herself again in the doorway over here. Uh, uh, Don't do that. That bad. Do not break anything. Including she has yourself. another ankle. <laughs> Particularly yourself. Oh, yes, please don't break an ankle. 
Um, no, I appreciate the uh, uh, topic though. That's a really a really interesting question. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think there's a lot that uh, a lot that could stem from those tactics. I and guess. I, yeah. I, like I think it makes my character more playable because I'll be I'll be in the mindset because I'm not like going back. Oh, I'll potion. I will grab some potions. Like I had one time a player come to me. I I'd given him a cloak of displacement, and this character had it. Well, his backstory was he was a hat maker. And after the game, he's like, hey, is there any way we can make that a hat? And he was like, super nerd. I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. So he had a hat of displacement. And he used that for the rest of the game. And he loved that's it. awesome. And I'm like, you see a oh. crooked top hat being a hat of displacement. Yeah. And he, he loved it. And like, he never took that hat off for the rest of the game because I was willing to just change from cloak to hat. I'm like, why would I not do that? Speaking of that sort of thing, and for some reason hats particularly remind me of it because I've done this a few times, but I love as a game master introducing items that players become enamored with, characters become enamored with, that they don't even necessarily know what they do. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Brother Sunshine at one point had gotten his hands on a hat that suited him. He didn't know what that meant, but everybody complimented the hat. People seemed to like Was that hat. Sunshine or was that the other guy? Because I remember when he lost the hat, I was in the game in Zeitgeist. Oh, could, would have been in the other game. Oh, no, that's right. It was Brick. You're Brick. right. You're right. Same player. <laughs> because I didn't catch the suited him part. That just tailing. suited him, you know. And it turns out that it gave him like a bonus to charisma or something. It was as something completely the character did not need. Right. <laughs> that, that, you're right. That was actually, it was Brick. What, so he lost it before a, he came king when he could actually use it. Okay. That, that works. So now he stuff. has a crown that does like the same thing. So. I got thought of Brother Sunshine because he was he was one of those, there was a gimmick there. There was a, a gag there where it's like whenever they did, because in the, the War of the Burning Sky, if you do teleportation, there's a, a fire effect. <laughs> That's made teleportation dangerous or even deadly. <laughs> But by a certain level of the game, player characters have often found ways to mitigate or resist this damage to the point where it's not really a, as much of a problem. And so you'll see some teleportation. And he would arrive in, everybody that arrives from a teleportation effect arrives in a floor, in a flume of smoke and, and flame, right? So he would stumble out of it and his hat would always be on fire. But the next time he went through one of these, he'd always have a hat again that would then be on fire. It's just, it was a repeated gimmick, you know, gag rather. <laughs> right. I do love that. And so I was thinking of that. And then we're talking about brick and the hat. That's like, I like hats. But um, I do get a kick out of that because he didn't know what it did. I didn't tell the player what it did. And he just played it in character because the character didn't know what it did. Right. He just liked it. And, and he was uh, sad when it was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have anything um, you could like to share from your experiences, your gaming, or any ideas you'd like to share that's related to the topic, we'd love to hear about it. Feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Uh, let us know. Or, or you can uh, drop by our Discord server and uh, uh, chat with us there, too. That works as well. I'll let you guys go. I appreciate you putting some time uh, aside this weekend to talk to, to us and kind of uh, remind everybody, TsunamiCon, TsunamiCon.org is where you find everything you need. Get your tickets now. List your games if you're going to run games. Plan to be there October 21st, 22nd, 23rd at the Broadview Hotel in downtown Wichita. I will be there. Rich and J- Vanessa and Joe will be there. Yep, I'll be there and selling dice. Days off. We're going to get time. Yeah, you'll be there selling dice and maybe doing some gaming if you have time. Obviously. Maybe. I'll be there throwing dice. <laughs> I was seeing that uh, Mikey Mason has two shows. So me and Alicia were talking like one of us will sneak off for one. One will sneak <laughs> off for the other one. I'll, yeah, and I'll I, see I, you at both. Hard for me to nail down the times too. Usually, I tried to schedule them just during breaks, like between gaming slots and stuff, and that's gotten harder to do as things have changed over the years. And uh, now I really want to put him in an evening block with other things going on, so that you know people that are there aren't rushing off to do something else or whatever. Right. Just always worry that people want a game more than they want to do anything else. And, you know, uh, if you're there to see Mikey Mason, or if he's one of the reasons you're there, make sure you take the time to catch one of his shows and or at least buy some of his merch. Yeah. Because I like him to sell stuff and make it feel like it made the trip worthwhile. It gives him more cash in pocket to take home. And he drives all the way from uh, Indiana, Indiana, I think, to be here. That's it. 
So, you know, I may stalk him a little bit of a trip for him. Yeah, you may. He's got a Patreon, makes it real easy. easy. Well, that's true. It does make it really easy. And and he's extremely internet friendly. He's all over the place. Not not hard to stalk. Mikey's good people, man. Uh, One of the one of the coolest friends I've made out of this entire endeavor. And uh, we talk fairly regularly. I think Uh, he's one of the uh, one of the good ones. So happy to have him involved with the con every year. Don't even know if it's cost effective for me to do it anymore, and I just don't care. Right. He's he's part of the institution now, so there you go. Right. All right. We'll see you guys all there. Thank you for listening to episode number 280 of Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. Good night, everybody.